Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Before we look at um, the five attitudes that, that really allow us to grow or get the, get the posture of our heart switched to grow in our relationship with God, I just want to recap last week really quickly. And we learned last week how God loves us. And, and we found that the word in the Bible that best describes us is agape. You've heard this before, but it has its simplest form is the love of God for man and of man for God. And sometimes we forget that last part. Well, this is just how God loves us. And, and because it's the highest form of love and a love that we can't comprehend, so many times we're just like, no, well, it's just God. He'll, he'll take care of it. And we tend to kind of leave that, you know, kind of on the back burner or just right there at arm's length. So when we need it, we expect it to be there. But really agape is, is not just the love of God for man, but the love of of um, the love of man for God. And so it's relational. Um, it's not only from God to us, it's also from us to God. And so relationships are two-way streets. And so if you've got um, your notebooks, especially if you missed last week, I'm going to give you the five-minute version of this message. And so uh, agape was the first thing. Genesis 126 was that great reminder that God wanted relationship with us first. Our relationship is based upon the acceptance of his son, Jesus, it's not a ritual that we practice or a task that we complete. It's really just an acceptance of who he is. And so then John 3.16 is really where we park last week. It's the greatest love story ever lived. Uh, you don't find anything greater than that. And so from there, we went to 1 Peter 4.8, which is uh, what Jesus did for us. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. For God so loved you. For God so loved you. This covers a multitude of sin. It covers all of your mistakes. It covers anything that you ever did wrong, right? And then we uh, fast forwarded to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40, which talked about our vertical relationship with God, how we honor him first. And as we honor him, everything else kind of takes care of itself. And so the three ways that we love God, these are uh, super important. You find them in Psalms uh, 63, 1. It's relationship is a two-way street. Matthew 6, 33 and 7 and 8. This is the seek sandwich we talked about last week. And it essentially says seek and have or seek and find. Uh, Mark 4, 9 and 23, you see two times that we are told to listen. And so Mark 4, 9 and 4, 23 say, if you have ears, listen. Habakkuk 2, 20 says, be quiet. We'll talk about that a little bit today. Back at 220s, be quiet. And then Psalms 46.10 says, be still and honor. Be still and honor. And so the three ways were listen, be quiet, and be still. The reminders were relationships, a two-way street, which means we have to seek. We have to seek. And if you'll seek, you'll have. And if you seek, you'll find Matthew 6.33. Seek me, uh, <laughs> seek you first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you, right? And so then number two was uh, our obedience to him is John 14, 15. Love plus trust plus action equals biblical obedience. And so you can't just have one without the other. If you trust what God is saying and you believe that he loves you, then that will lead you to action. And action is really kind of the, the part that keeps us on the couch, right? You need all three because action without love is only religion. This was probably the biggest point of this, of this last week. You need all three because action without love is only religion. And love without action is only talk. 
And so obedience unlocks understanding. And then we have to understand this, and you know this if you're a parent, delayed obedience is still disobedience. If I tell Oscar to do something and he does it in 20 minutes, he's still not doing it, right? And so then delayed obedience is still disobedience. It's still, no, you're, yeah, I know that you're going to, but you're not. And because you're not, then you're disobeying. Partial obedience doesn't work. That means we obey the stuff that we like and we kind of disregard the stuff that we don't. It's, it's essentially pushing all your chips to the center table and being all in. It's what Psalms 100 verse 2 and Psalms 119.33 say, and, and summed up, they essentially say, wholehearted obedience is done with joy and enthusiasm. Wholehearted obedience is done with joy and enthusiasm. All of that to say we understand that we bring pleasure to God through our obedience. The Bible says that any act of obedience is an act of worship. So when we obey, we are worshiping God. Your homework last week that we didn't get to because we just had like, it was an amazing service. Okay, that's all I need to tell you. Uh, your homework last week was John 21. It's 15 through 19. It's essentially Jesus telling Peter to follow him. If you love me, follow me. If you love me, follow me. And so that leads today with how we follow. And so following God starts with a daily commitment. It's meant to be encouraging. It's meant to be energizing. It is not meant to be exhausting. If you're exhausted by the thought of a relationship with God, that's the first thing you have to fix. Okay, John 8, 12 says, as Jesus is saying this, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Will have the light of life. So then we see that following God is not something that we do, it's who we are. Just like agape, it's love, it's, it's love that's received and it's love that's given. It's time, okay, that is given. And so a relationship with God is not a one-time thing, it's an everyday thing. Remember, God wants your heart. That's all he's after. He's not after a, uh, a behavior. He's not after a, uh, a task. He's not looking for you to do something. He's looking at who you are. Proverbs 23, 26. And by the way, we changed some stuff with our slides. And so if it doesn't say anything after the scripture, it's out of the Holman. That's going to be about 98% of it. Sometimes I will reference another scripture. So if it doesn't say any, any letters after the 8, 12 right there, we're in the Holman. And so that's the Bible that you get out there. If you didn't grab one of those, make sure you get one today. Uh, they're free. Proverbs 23, 26. Have I been there? It says this. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. He's not saying, hey, do all of this and check in with me. Do all of this and I'll let you know if you're good enough. He's just saying, give me your heart. Check and then, and then watch me. Watch me. Watch me, right? And so he wants relationship. Relationship takes Time, it's the one thing you can't get back, right? It's an invaluable resource. Time is more valuable than money. And so he wants time, and he wants you to make time for what's important to you. And so when you make God a priority in your life, what happens is great things open up. He sees it. He's observing you the whole time, right? And so then the deeper your relationship, this, this is kind of my steps to this, the deeper your relationship the more you will obey, the better you will follow, the bigger the impact you will have. Because the closer we follow, the more we seem to be like Jesus. The more we look like Jesus, the more we, come, we become disciples. And so what you need to understand is you have a greater purpose than you're living right now. 
you have a greater purpose and you're living right now. And it's really getting to the root of these five attitudes and getting the posture of your heart set right where you can actually allow God to work in your life and not kind of, uh, you know, go to God and, and, you know, when circumstances suck and say, man, listen, I know, Lord, it's been, you know, two years or two months or two weeks, but, you know, I really got this thing at work and it's not working out well. And if you could just do this one time, man, <laughs> if you could just do this one time, ah, I promise I'll go to church this weekend or I'll start praying. It's not that. It's not that. You have a greater purpose than you're living right now. It starts with a daily walk. There's an exchange that's needed, but it's not an assumption that it's already there. The exchange is time. And so what we assume sometimes, especially if if we're believers or Christians, is that once we cross that line, it's good. And so then that relationship's established, and that's all I ever needed to do. And there's, there's some truth to that, meaning Man, once you give your heart to Christ, you're, you're in the book of life, right? Like you're going to heaven. But then God has called us to be followers, right? And so then it's, it's not necessarily what we know. It's not really what we believe. It's really how we follow. It's in our feet. And we've talked that before. And so um, your decision to follow is the starting line to something great. It's not the finish line. And so many times we step across that line thinking, oh, man, that cost me a lot because I had to like raise my hand or I had to fill out a card. And so because I made an actual step, then that's, that's all that it cost you. And the Bible doesn't promise, God doesn't tell you that following God is going to be easy. He doesn't say it's going to be simple. It has, it's not even close to that. But the reward that comes from it and the blessings that you are going to receive from your relationship with him are greater than anything you're going to get on, this, on the earth. And the Bible says as we do, as we work, as we live, we don't work. As we live in this relationship, then what's being stored up for us in heaven is greater than we can comprehend. And so then, if you look at this like, it's the exchange, but I have eternity in front of me. If you remember the talk about the, our potential, our potential is greater than our lifespan. And so then, all God's saying is, hey, if, if you will follow, I will increase. If you'll follow, I'll increase. And so then, uh, your decision to follow is the starting line to something great. There is no finish. You have eternity in front of you. You have to think of your potential. And so your potential kind of sets on point two once you cross this. And now once I start following, that's the greater my potential gets. And so then no matter how great you get, this is one of my favorite quotes, no matter how good you get, you can always be better. So that just means setting a good pace. Today, the five principles we're talking about are about setting that pace. And so Romans 8.39, we're working our way there. You guys good? Romans 8.39, it says, Height or depth or any other created thing will have the power, no height nor depth or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God. That is Christ Jesus our Lord. That confirms what I just said. When you cross the line, it's all good. Right? When you make the decision, you're good. You're good enough. Period. The NLT version of this scripture I really like says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So there's confirmation, but what that doesn't mean is, eh, now, that, now that I've established a relationship, I can just go and, you know, whatever, whatever you, whatever is your favorite hobby that is probably not the most God honoring. It doesn't mean, well, now I'm there, it's good. What that means is there's more. Once you cross here, it means you just got to, you're in the playoffs, right? Things just got a lot better. 
Here in the regular season, you're probably 500, right? God has a purpose and a plan for everybody. But man, when I, when I cross that line, I say, I'm, I'm following God. I just accepted Jesus. I'm walking in a relationship. Then that means there's more. It means more. And it's all caps, okay? Philippians 3.9 says, When I gain Christ, I become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with him depends on my faith. I didn't make a slide for this one because I wanted you to listen. Okay? I gain Christ. I become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness, my own deeds, my own doing, my own figuring it out, my own essentially... I'm the boss, through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Jesus. For God's way of making us right with him depends on our faith. That means our faith is not a feeling. That means you're gonna wake up tomorrow and you're not gonna feel as good as you feel today when you leave. And that's okay. God is still the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just because you're not as encouraged or inspired or challenged tomorrow morning or Thursday morning, really, as you are right now, that doesn't mean God is any farther away from you than he is right now. He's just as close. And so then, if, you, if your faith is based on your feelings, and we're talking about attitudes, and attitudes are feelings, and so if you're thinking about feelings, man, when you, listen, I'll be honest with you, in this, I have not felt the greatest, okay? I felt like the number one loser in the, on the face of the planet in doing this a lot of times, okay? There's a lot, to, there's a lot that goes into it, and and sometimes you're the only one, right? And when you're the only one, like, I'll say this, Jeff Hubner, don't stop doing this because I'm calling you out. He leaves these cards, he leaves these cards, and they're just jokes. And they're the best thing because Sunday when we get done, this is kind of an exhaustive deal that we do. And listen, I love every second of it. I wouldn't change any of it, okay? But he drops these lines like, I'm not gonna tell you, but they're really funny. Okay, they're really funny. They're very clean. They're very funny. And they make me laugh. And it's the first time I laugh all Sunday. And it's so good. It's just so good and healthy. And so saying all that is this. It doesn't matter how I feel. I know who God is. I know who his son is. I know who we're following. And if I can only get you guys to live in that same relationship, that's just what I feel. I'm not going to change anybody. But man, if I can show you what God's shown me, life is so good. Life is so good. And so, all right, moving on. Philippians 3.12, there is a slide for this. It says this, now that I have already reached the goal, not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already fully mature, but I make every effort. Here we go. This is what I'm talking about. I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken a hold of by Christ. And so then I've not reached the goal. It's not that I'm there. It's not that I'm fully mature. I don't have it all figured out as your pastor. I don't have it all figured out, but I will make every effort and sometimes those efforts are exhaustive. And sometimes those efforts, I don't really feel like it. And sometimes it really sucks. But I'm going to make the effort because I know who God is. And I know who he's called me to be. And so then because, and I'll make those efforts because I've been taken a hold of by Jesus. I've seen <laughs> miracles in my life. I've seen miracles in her life. And, and the favor of God that's on us is great. And because we have that favor, it's easy but it's only easy because I figured these five things out and I'm almost there. So following is a process. It's a daily commitment, but it's how you grow spiritually. It's how you grow spiritually. It's not that there's one level. 
And spiritual growth, guys, is not a staircase. It doesn't look like this. It's, we look at it like this all the time. Step one, step two, step three, and four, and it's as good as I'm ever going to get. When I talk about your potential, your, your walk with God or your relationship with God is, is a spiral staircase, and you can't see around the corner. It's my faith. It's not my feeling, right? And so you just take the step, and you take the next step, and you take the next step, and you keep going up, right? And if you can really go with me, then it's, it's, it's not that either. It's a spiral staircase, but it's really moving forward. And the more that you come in contact with him, and the more that you engage with him, the more that you will essentially learn who he is. And the more you learn who he is, the more you learn to live how he lives. And the more you live like he lives, the more you will lead like he led. And the more you learn, the more you will live, the more you will lead. It is this. It's not one, two, three, and arrival. And, and you know, culture kind of just tells us that's how it's always going to be. And so the four, gain, uh, the four ways that we gain spiritual depth, these are not the attitudes I'm talking about today, but the four ways that we gain spiritual depth are daily interaction. That's a personal time with God, Okay. It's a personal time with God. I call this my chair time. You can call it whatever you want. I do need you to know that 80% of your success in your daily interaction is your location. It's your place. Where is that happening? Can you be distracted? Is your phone on? Is it consistent? Is it on your calendar? Where is your place? Period. That is prayer time. That's worship. That's journaling. That's listening. That's reading. That is, it is what it is. We're going to talk about all that stuff next week, right? The second thing is compassion. It's being who Jesus is. It's one-on-one interaction. It's interaction in your friend group, with your colleagues. And then as a church, as a church body, it's local outreach. It's what we do for outreach, right? The third thing is community. Community for us is Sunday services. This is where we get together as like-minded believers of Christ. We come together and we say, hey, I'm here because if 100 people showed up today, 100 people believe. Okay. Now, the steps of discipleship in that go lower and lower. That's the greatest number you're ever going to find if, if we're talking about people who come to church. 100% of people who walk in the doors know there's something else. There's hope in something. They might not have a relationship, but they know it's real. Okay. And so then, community. Then from there is small groups, and who knows what that looks like in this community or, or in our culture. I'm not sure yet, but that is the next step to community. But you have community already, really. You have it. You have it in a friend group. You have it. There's, we're, in a small, we're in two small groups. Um, you have it in, uh, at work, and so you have it already. Communion, this is something we'll focus on once a month. The first Sunday of the month, every month will be a communion Sunday. Man, this is a time where we take, uh, we, we set aside a block of time to reflect and to repent, to say, I'm sorry, to ask for forgiveness, and then to remember who God is. And so then, um, I'm going to side, I'm going to jump out of the message for just a second because this, this goes with what we're doing with our services. These four things lead to how our Sunday services will move forward uh, from here. And so then we will have four focuses every month, not every day. And this is something I've been wrestling with. And so we will focus on communion the first Sunday. And then the other three Sundays, we will have a focus on prayer. We'll have a focus on um, worship, where we'll go longer worship. And we'll have a focus on community. And I don't know what that community thing is yet, but that's the direction that we feel led to go. That's the same thing our team feels. And so those will be the four focuses because that's how we grow spiritually. That's how we grow spiritually. And so then compassion, 
is, is both as a group outreach and as an individual. And so Sundays we grow individually, right? But we also, because you're going to grow in your seat, but then we're also going to grow together because these seats are connected, if that makes sense. And so then it's, it's great to grow in a row, but even better to grow in a group. And so then we're going to grow that way too. Like-minded, we worship together, we pray together, it's good. So then over the next few weeks, we will start to incorporate these into our services. What I've learned as a pastor is, man, I kind of lost focus for about two weeks and thought, man, we really need to be praying for our community. Man, we really need to have great worship. Man, we really need to have great community. And then we were here till 1130. And I was like, that's, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. And so then we will put these four focuses into practice uh, over the next four weeks. Now, perfect. We're right on time, guys. Today, we're going to dig into our daily interaction. And so there's, there's only um, one thing that rocked my world when, when it came time for this. And so then, um, remember, next week, we're talking on how we do this. Today, we're talking what. Next week, we're talking how. And so put these two weeks together. Focus is a form of discipline. I didn't believe that. It takes intentionality. It takes you being very, very deliberate. You have to be deliberate. You find this in Acts 20, 28. Take heed to yourself and then to the flock. To me, this coupled with Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Take care of the flock. Just do for everybody else. And eventually, you'll have some time for yourself or you'll get healthy, or you can always do it next week because next week's good. You know, there's nothing on the counter next week, but you have no clue that 98 people are going to steal your time for next week. And so take heed to yourself. That means step back, take a deep breath, rub your earlobes, whatever you do to make yourself happy, right? Set yourself up to win because you can't lead where you won't go. You cannot lead where you won't go. And so you have to set yourself up for success. That means you have to take intentional time. This this is a pillar in my life. I would say I visit this scripture. I know it, guys. I know it. I visit it at least twice a week. There was a time for two years of my life I read this every day. I had to. I had to overtrain the heck out of it because I was last because of just because. Because I like to do stuff. Because I like to be busy. And so the daily time with God each day is one of the spiritual habits of effective people. If you're going to be effective spiritually, if you're going to move forward spiritually, if you're going to receive everything God has for you, then you have to have a daily time with God. You develop spiritual health by having a quiet time or a chair time each day. This is where you get direction from God. If you're looking for that, if you're looking for that, Psalms 25.4 says, Show me the path where I should go. Oh Lord, point out the right road for me to walk. This is what your daily sit down is for. Show me the path where I should go, Lord, knowing that I'm taking time to actually see what God has for me. And I think I've, I've said this, but Jesus is our model. It's Luke, it's Luke 5.16. There's not a slide for this, but Luke 5.16 says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed and he prayed. The reality is you can't get to know God in a crowd. That's like step two. You can get to know God in a, in a crowd of like-minded people, but before you get to those like-minded people, you need to know the only way you get to know God personally is one-on-one. And so you can't get to know God if you're always in a crowd. Oh, goodness. 
The Bible says Jesus withdrew often. His quiet time then was his source of strength. You don't, it's not in the Bible as many times as he did it. But his quiet time was his source of strength. <laughs> um, I'm just going to be real with you. The first time I tried this, I tried to get quiet for, um, for, three, for three months. And I couldn't. I would sit in my chair. And I'm going to try not to cry on you guys. But I would sit in my chair. And this, I would do this at work before work. I would sit in my chair. And I would just try to be still. And just, just be, right? And I started shaking. I got nervous twitches. It was like I was addicted to crack. Like, I'm serious. I could not sit still. And I thought, what the heck is going on? I, was, and I, I, was, I got to the point where I just got really mad, I was super mad. And, um, and I was only trying to sit still for three minutes, okay? I was only trying for three. It wasn't like I was trying to do an hour. And I just couldn't sit still for three minutes. And so I got really mad. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to sit still. And I'm just going to breathe. And I'm going to tell myself, inhale, exhale, right? And I set the clock for seven minutes. And, and it was good right? <laughs> so the alarm goes off. And because I actually said what I'm doing, I'm not talking about burning incense. I'm not getting crazy. Okay. I'm just telling you where I was. And here was the reality. The reality was my quiet time. When I shut everything off, it was louder than anything. It was like I'd just been at a kid rock concert at LCA, right? I sit down and there's all this going on. And my mind is on my whiteboard. It's on my calendar. It's looking six months down the road. It's three months down the road. It's what we have uh, by Friday and what it is what I have this week. And that's all color coded too, by the way. And so it's like, I have all this crap to do. And I, and it's so loud, even though there's nothing on. And so seven minutes happen. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. There's a point to this story, by the way. And so, um, so I say, well, what the heck? I'm going to do that for seven more minutes. I do it. It's great. Everything works good. I go downstairs. I meet with my secretary at the time. Her name's Shanna. And what we were doing in Oklahoma was really hard. We were, uh, we were building a church from a church uh, with no support and no staff and no team. And so it was, it, was, it was very challenging. And we were a smaller scale, so nothing scaled. And so it was really hard to have those conversations. And Shanna goes, she goes, hey, what's going on with you? And I said, nothing. She says, just bear with me. She says, you're not pissed? And I said, no, I'm good. I'm good. She goes, okay. Walk out. Day two comes. I'm only sitting still, guys, for seven minutes, okay? Day two comes. Shanna comes. I come down to meet with Shanna, kind of get the lay of the land for the day. And she goes, what's, what, are you Okay. Like, yeah, man, I'm solid. I'm solid. What do we have? She's like, you're not, you're not upset. You're not, I'm like, no, no, I'm really good. She's like, this is awesome. It's my secretary. This is awesome. And I said, well, I've changed some stuff in my quiet time. And, and she's like, it's really good. It's really good. And so then his quiet time was his source of strength. Jesus taught that we are strengthened as we develop as we develop a deep and intimate relationship with him, and as we develop, we produce. And as we produce, we become disciples. There's fruit. There's fruit in who you are. And so it's only through our connection. We see this in John 15, 4 through 5. He says this, Remain in me, and I in you, just as the branch is unable to produce fruit 
by itself unless it remains on the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. The only one, oh, sorry, the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me, without me. And what's really good is do in there because God has called you to be a human being, not a human doing. And my doing was driving a wedge between me and my family. And it was making me see her as the excuse I had to work as opposed to the love of my life, right? And so then, human beings, not human doings. And so our first action step is to stay connected. And to stay connected, we have to do this daily. The next thing you need to see in your daily interaction is um, why you do something is way more important than what you do. And so you're going to see this in 1 Samuel 16, 7. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Man does not see what the Lord sees. For man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. And here's where I'm going to take you to the Living Bible, because this is, this is just, this changed my life. It says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by man's face or height, for this is not the one. I don't make decisions the way you do. Men judge by outward appearance, but I look at a man's thoughts, at his intentions, and at his heart. It's not just the heart. It is thoughts, intentions, and heart. First Samuel then shows us it's quite possible to do the right thing with the wrong attitude. It's quite possible to do the right thing with the wrong attitude. So let's talk about these. If you're taking notes, we are jumping in. These are five attitudes that are also spiritual disciplines, but they're just postures of our heart, right? They all work together. They all work together. And so what you need to know before we ever start writing down is motivation is going to get you started, but habit is what keeps you going. You have to create a great habit. Just like any nutrition plan or exercise plan, man, you can start well, but it's not really how you start. It's being consistent and it's finishing well. Motivation will get you started. Today will get you started, but creating a good habit is what's going to keep you going. And so these attitudes are good, healthy habits that you're going to have to create. Don't feel any pressure. There's five, okay? But to go from a one to a five means you have to go to two. Three, four, five. To go from zero to two, there's, there's, there's steps there. And so don't get overwhelmed with the number, okay? It's not about that. Remember, it's a process. Be consistent. Consistency completes everything. Nutrition, your diet, it completes everything, right? And so, for example, Heather's pregnant. She likes sweet stuff. I eat sweet stuff. I've gained weight. She's gained weight. We've done that consistently, right? Consistency is going to complete everything. It's how we gain weight together. It's the best. So, number one, the first attitude is this, be willing, be willing. This means being eager and open. It's hard to be open because we close our fists so, so many times. Why? Why do I want to be willing, Dusty? It's 2 Corinthians 8, 12. For the eagerness, for if there is, for if the eagerness is there, it is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Be willing. Whatever you give to God is acceptable. 
So it's not, man, I've got to do this for an hour. Remember, our quiet time with God should be energizing. It should be refreshing. It should be amazing, right? And so whatever you give is acceptable to God if you give it eagerly and according to what you have and according to what you have. It's not about what you don't. Don't come to your quiet time to choose what you will do or won't do. Come with the purpose of doing anything that God wants you to do because Jesus said in John 7, 17, if anyone wants to do his will, he will understand whether the teaching is from God or if I am speaking on my own. This is why we must be willing. Our way doesn't work. It's two-way traffic, right? And so we get to this place in our quiet time. This is my story anyways. This person, all right, God, I'm going to trust you, but you're not really working on my time. So I'm going to, I got it. And I'll take the wheel back and I'm going to pass this car right here because I don't want to be sitting in this car anymore. It's too slow. And so I'm going to pass that car. What happens is you get into the lane, you put your blinker on if you're a good, if you're a good driver. I don't put my blinker on ever. Okay. You get into this lane, and what happens is you start feeling all this frustration and all this tension and uh, pushback, and it's because this is God's lane. You're really in two-way traffic. You're in oncoming traffic. And so then what sucks, what's hard to do is to slip back over here and be like, okay, God, I trust you. But if you realize, man, every time you slip over because you're impatient or you don't like how it's going, that you kind of take control back, that's really when you feel the most or, or sense the most frustration, the most tension. And so just stay in your lane. <laughs> Two-way traffic. Remember, it's obedience, love plus trust. Everybody can say we love God, but it's really hard to get to that point where we say we trust God. And then if we love and trust and action follows, right? Have patience. God's way and God's timing are always best. Come to meet the Lord already having chosen to do his will no matter what. So this Lord, this is you. This is, this is being willing. This is uh, really um, Lord's prayer. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your will be done. God will only ever ask you to do or give what you're capable of, right? Number two, be alert. Be alert. We call this bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, right? There, I can't tell you how many times I fell asleep in my chair, by the way. A lot, okay? Why should I be alert? This is uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be alert, standing firm in faith, full of courage, strong like a man. It's just the scripture that's there. It has nothing to do with that, really. What is this? Be awake. Be ready to go. Take notes. Highlight. Get another Bible, right? And so I have a Bible that I highlight. I have a Bible that I teach out of, and I have a Bible that I read. I have three Bibles. It's not to say I'm better than you. It's just to say I have one that I like to mark in. And to be honest with you, there's a new Bible that I just ordered. It's called a note-taking Bible. You should look it up. It is just a little bit wider, and you can write in the, uh, in the side next to the Bible, which is really cool. And so... Where was I? Take notes, highlight, engage. Engage. How do I do this? Man, get some sleep, set an alarm, wash your face in the first, first thing in the morning, stretch, get some coffee or some tea, get into some good light. That's the other thing I'm poor at. I don't, I don't like good light. I like this nice, I like this right here. This is good. So, good light. Do all those things. If all that doesn't work, remember this. You're meeting with the creator of heaven and earth. You're meeting with your creator. Okay? You're meeting with the Redeemer of men. Be thoroughly rested. Get to bed early so you'll be in good shape to meet with God in the morning. Mark 1.35 says this, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house. He went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Think of it like this. Think of it like this when we're talking about being alert. 
If your all-time favorite person was coming over to your house, okay, you'd be ready, right? If you're, if you're Heather, makeup's going to be done, hair's going to be hot, it's going to be great, okay? That's just the truth. You look good, girl. Me, I'm not going to have my sweatsuit on, okay? I like to travel around town in a sweatsuit because I'm comfy. It makes me feel good, but I'm not going to be in a sweatsuit, right? Think about it like that. If your all-time favorite person was coming over to meet, you would be ready. That's all I'm trying to say. So then, be alert. Be alert. The other thing is this. The older you get, the more I think that you realize that you have, if you're going to do anything personally, it's going to have to be done before everything starts, right? And so that means for, for me, it is, it is early in the morning. God just asks for your best. And so if I'm being like 100%, my best is about 1130 at night because the kids are in bed, there's peace in my house, and I feel energized. I feel I feel energized. And so there, I could go in and hang out at the table uh, at night way easier than I can in the morning. And so if your best is at night, start there. You don't have to start in the morning. If your best is at lunch, start there, wherever it's at, right? Number three, be reverent. Be reverent. This is have high regard and respect. Why? Why? Habakkuk 2.20 says this, the Lord is in his holy temple and the whole earth is silent before him. All the earth is silent before him. Consider who you're meeting with. Prepare your heart by being still. Let the quiet of the room clear your head. You've got to get there. Be silent for a minute. Don't rush it. Prepare your heart by being quiet. Let everything get cleared out. That's the one thing I struggled with for three months, if you remember that story. And so, because, again, Habakkuk 2.20, we're going to honor God because he's earned it. The Lord is in his holy temple. The whole earth is silent before him. Number four, be relaxed. Ease into it and set the tone. You're in charge. You're in charge of your chair, right? And so then, Psalms 46.10 says, Stop your fighting and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. Be still and know that I am God is, is really how that verse translates. I merged six different translations, and I'm going to tell you what this says because it's rocked my life. This was part of, my, part of my chair for a while. Be still, stop your striving, let go of your concerns, and trust that I am God. That's what it's saying. We just want to be still knowing God. That's, I don't have time for that. What he's really saying is, stop. Just stop for a minute. Be still for a minute. Don't come running into God's presence and start talking immediately. Our daughter does that all the time. It's like she doesn't even know what's going on, but she's just got to get it out, right? Be still for a minute. Don't come running into God's presence. Start talking. Follow God's admonition. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. The scripture says, slow down. Get your mind off your calendar. What's out in front of you. No matter how much you think you run, God's really in control. God's really in control. So then, that said, be still for a short while. Put yourself in a reverent mood so you can be in the moment and enjoy it as opposed to rushing it. Come in under control and you'll have time to spare. Not like Maverick requesting a flyby, right? Or requesting a flyby. It's denied. Too bad. I got to go, right? 
Last one, number five. Be expectant. This is huge. This is where we drop the ball. Be energized and be enthusiastic, okay? Expectant is, that's kind of my side note. Be energized, be enthusiastic. That all comes, again, remember all five of these attitudes, these principles work together. Why? Why should I be this? Hebrews 11.1, faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. So I'm sure of it. That's all I need to know. It's not a feeling. I don't feel like it today. Too bad, right? Romans 12, 11. It's also, this is also the other why. Romans 12, 11, and 12. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. What's he saying? Don't burn out. Keep yourselves aflame, right? Keep yourselves aflame. Be alert and cheerfully expectant. Press in and never quit. Never quit just means be consistent. Be consistent. Come before God with anticipation and eagerness. Expect to have a good time of fellowship. This is huge. I don't overlook this. Expect to have a good time of fellowship with him and receive a blessing from your time. This is Psalms 63.1. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. When you step into these attitudes, know if they're present in your time with God, you're going to have to get real with yourself. So there are Three questions, four questions you need to ask yourself. Four questions you need to ask yourself. Do I have something better that I should be doing? If yes, what's greater than meeting with the person who just gave you breath in life that, that morning? Number two, what am I currently believing for? If nothing, if you're not believing for anything, then you have to ask yourself, who is your faith in? Who is your faith in? Number three, where am I forcing myself to stretch right now? If you are not stretching, you are too comfortable. Remember, God's ultimate goal for you on earth is not comfort, but development, but spiritual development. God created you unique. More of you is a good thing. More of you is a good thing. Becoming like Christ does not mean, by the way, this is huge. Becoming like Christ doesn't mean losing your personality and becoming a mindless clone, by the way. A lot of people think that. God created your uniqueness. You are unique. So the purpose that you have, the purpose that he's given you is greater. The last question is this, where do I need God to work today? If you'll ask these in the mornings, where do I need God to work, God to work today? If you do, amazing. If you have it identified, it's just identifying these. If not, who's God? Who's God? This is dangerous because you're only one accident away from tragedy or rock bottom. And we've, I've been there. I've been there so many times. I thought, man, I, I did everything I could. Well, did we invite the creator in? Did we invite the creator in? So Ephesians uh, 4.22 is this. If you're going to create these attitudes, it says this. Took off your former way of life. Take off your former way of life, your old self that's corrupted by deceitful desires. Essentially just set it to the side. That's what all these five, that's what these five principles are saying. The message says this. Take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Take on an entirely new way of life. Let's get in that. A God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. So then your quiet time is not a have to, it's a get to. It's not a have to, it's a get to. And if you'll start incorporating these five attitudes, 
you're going to see a drastic change in your life in your energy, especially when you become or when you come in expectant. And so um, we can't worship from somebody else's wonder. I can't come in here and ride the coattails of somebody else's faith. I also had to learn the hard thing that I can't ride my parents' faith. I can't just, oh, well, they go to church and they believe. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this. Well, my grandpa was Catholic. Well, that's a generation removed, man. Like, well, my mom, she went to church. And so it's like, your mom doesn't cover you. This is your faith, right? There's steps to your faith. And so that's it. You've got you've to make this your own. You've got to be able to engage and see uh, who God is for yourself. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.